Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Leadville family, I got a paracyclist and a Paralympian with me today with a heart of gold. Uh, Don't let her bright, bubbly personality fool you. Today I have Meg Fisher with me, and there's no task too great for her. Hear how she's taken life by the horns and how she's going to try to inspire you along the way. Well, normally I start with the topic of Leadville, but let's start with your athletics. Meg, prior to 2002, you were playing NCAA Division I tennis. Have you always been athletic, and is that uh, where your athletic career started? I'd say yes, I've always been athletic. I was really lucky to have parents who were super sporty. Um, My mom was a competitive tennis player. Growing up uh, in the age of Title IX, she helped institute or um, bring about Title IX in her high school. My my mom's from Chicago, and my dad is from Canada, so of course he played hockey, (laughs) and he played to a very high level as well, and my uncle was actually drafted as a goalie. Oh, goodness. So you really do come from an athletic family. Yes. So um, the kids I grew up with... um, they all were very sporty. It was kind of how I, I, I found my group and how I made my friends. It was a, a community that was always very easy because I was actually very shy. And so being on a team meant that you had like ready-made friends, like people that were you had something in common with. It was very easy for me to kind of um, be a shy person on a team. Okay, yeah, that's a, a great way of putting that. Um, now, if we fast forward a little, in 2002, the unthinkable happens, and you end up in a very serious car accident. Um, what did you, how, what happened, and what did you do to move forward from that? So in 2002, um, June 30th, 2002, we're actually coming up on the... Uh, I wouldn't say like 20 year anniversary. I never think of it as a celebration or a milestone or anything like that. But um, 20 years ago, just about, um, I was in a car accident with my first love. Um, and our car rolled eight and a half times as we were driving from Chicago to sign a lease on our first apartment. So our, our car was full of all of our belongings. We were both young and full of you know, what young people have, you know, hope, dreams, potential. And, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of before some of the realities of life, I suppose, or the heaviness kind of sets in. But um, on that journey, our car rolled eight and a half times in the middle of South Dakota. And Sarah passed away um, from her injuries. And uh, for better or worse, like, I don't remember that accident because I sustained a significant head injury. Um, I was in a coma where I couldn't breathe on my own and my pupils were fixed and dilated and I was 
on my way out. Um, but due to some quick thinking and care from some very skilled individuals, um, it's kept alive. Uh, most visibly now is that I had my left foot um, badly mangled in that, in that car accident and basically ripped off. And um, what most people see today is that I, I walk around using a prosthesis on my left leg because I no longer have a left foot. Um, there were lots of other owies and boo-boos along the way, and I'm very grateful for the people who helped me recover and continue to help me move forward. Well, and I'm I'm very sorry to hear about your love, and uh, this is the first time I've actually got to talk to you publicly about this, and and just can't imagine. Um, so uh, we're obviously very glad to still have you with us. Now, if we skip forward just one year from that time, um, you actually returned to athletics, but it wasn't to tennis. Um, can you tell us what discipline you returned to? And was this kind of a, a type of athletic event that was on your radar ever? Oh, that's a really great question. So um, my recovery was kind of a, a, a long journey. Actually, tennis is what I returned to first. Because, oh, um, okay. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a, it's a small little detail. I mean, a tennis player, always a tennis player. Before I even had a prosthesis, I was back on the tennis court. Um, a dear friend, uh, she was retired and she saw me um, staying at home because every at that time, all of my friends, all of my age-matched peers had returned to college and um, or whatever career that they were pursuing. And I was home alone and with my mom, which was amazing, but she saw that maybe my mom needed a break and maybe I needed a break too. Uh -huh. And so she came and whisked me away, took her old office chair that she was no longer using and put it on the tennis court and said, you know what, when you're able to walk, when you're able to stand, you're going to have a good volley. We're going to work on the mechanics of your, you know, your forehand or your backhand. So I was back on the tennis court before I could even stand, scooting around and okay. hitting balls. And then I got a job teaching tennis for my office chair. And I was teaching kids. And when I had my prosthesis, I was able to stand next to my cart of balls and feed balls. And once I was able to relearn to walk, um, I was back on the court. However, competitively, that never came to be. And 11 months after my first accident, I had more of my leg amputated because of complications and pain and limits. 11 months after that, I think it's kind of a question you're asking is that I did my first triathlon. Um, I had never thought triathlon would be in my future because I kind of thought three sports in one day. <laughs> how could somebody do such a thing? Um, even as a competitive collegiate athlete, and I played tennis, softball, and basketball all through high school. So I'd say I was pretty sporty. Um, but I never thought triathlon would be something I could do, let alone after waking up from a coma and I had to relearn to talk. I had to relearn to write. I had to relearn uh, a lot of things uh, in addition to being able to relearn to stand um, and walk and regain all of that. So to be able to swim, bike and run broke a lot of barriers for myself. Well, oh, absolutely. I cannot imagine, but I mean, it's, it seems even bigger than that to, to me and for me. I mean, cause here you are, very athletic, but very athletic in these team sports. And it seems like these uh, endurance sports are something that's just never been on your radar. Um, what even got you to want to tackle triathlon at that point? 
point, um, if people follow the world of triathlon, uh, some of the top U.S. Ironman triathletes are Ben Hoffman and Lindsey Corbin. Interestingly, they went to college with me, or I went to college with them. We went together. Um, and the University of Montana had a very strong collegiate triathlon team. Well, that, saw, uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I had these age match peers again um, doing things that I thought were exceptional. And I wanted to be just like them. Um, initially, after my injury, when I say I wanted to be just like them, like I wanted to be just like them. I didn't want anybody to know that I was impaired. I didn't want anybody to think that I was disabled. I didn't want anybody to know about my prosthesis. I wanted to walk so well without a limp that nobody noticed. I thought I wanted to be, I don't know, whatever normal is. Um, and that was put the bunny ears around normal because <laughs> are any of us that normal? No. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but again, I, in my early 20s at that point, I, I didn't want to stick out. Still a bit of that shy kid. I wanted to be. Um, I mean, there's actually an awful saying, but it, it, it some might say that, you know, to, for a woman to be considered, it has to be twice as good as a man to be considered half as good, something like that. Um, and then sometimes for people with physical impairments, you think that to be considered a valid athlete, you have to be as good as an able-bodied person. And so I wanted to be as good as, if not better, than able-bodied athletes, which I is not. It's still the same thing as the woman-to-man comparison. Yeah, it is. And <sighs> it's I, I, I was and I am a valid athlete then. And um, as a female athlete, I'm every bit as valid as a, a male athlete. Um, you know, it's... I'm, I'm grateful for those challenges and maybe that stubbornness or, but because it definitely drove me to push myself. Um, and I yeah, had great role models with, with the athletes here in town and they're all so friendly and kind and it, it was a really supportive environment. But that said, I still was really shy to train with anybody mm-hmm. because 11 months, a few months after I did my triathlon, I had a health setback and I was told I'd never walk again. Oh God. And I was in a, wheelchair and on crutches and they you know i had a a healthcare professional tell me sweetheart sweetheart you'll never be as good as you were (laughs) um and i know they they didn't say it maliciously right and i don't think anybody really is you know trying to limit anybody but trying to set uh, whatever reasonable expectations might be Mm -hmm. i'm very grateful to be able to say no i'm better than i ever was or better than i ever thought i could be um However, when I then a time where I was told that I would never walk again, I was paired with a service dog, and her name was Betsy the Wonder Dog, a little cow dog, a little um, Australian cow dog crossed with a border collie who had a lot of smarts as well as a lot of energy, and she could pull my wheelchair, she could pick up things I dropped, she could turn on lights and um, do all the things that helped me get through the day, mm-hmm. um, as well as um, she wanted to. She was a dog. How awesome are dogs? Like everybody <laughs> will talk about how great their dogs are. Um, and I saw people mountain biking with their dogs. And I thought, maybe I can do that. Because I couldn't walk enough to tire Betsy out. Mm-hmm. Uh, fetch was fun, but, you know, I only so many games of fetch you could play in a day. Um, and I wanted to play too. Mm-hmm. So she was a very easy training partner because I never felt like I was slowing her down. I never felt guilty um, 
we felt guilty that like a, or, or self-conscious with her um, like I think a lot of people do when they go out for group rides for the first time nobody wants to be the slow person no they so don't Betsy, <laughs> right yeah isn't that silly do we really care no um, but the stories we tell ourselves aren't always the truth so um, but I was able to yeah keep up with Betsy and eventually um, being able to keep up with a two or three year old cow dog turns out you have some okay fitness. And I met new <laughs> friends. I met mountain bikers who did Xterra, who invited me to do an off-road triathlon, where I became the first para-athlete to ever do an off-road triathlon. And they also did 24-hour mountain bike racing. So I would go with them on a team. And then, you know, the next year I went back on my own, and I won the female division overall and placed third in, in the men's group. Um, so I, I, and that's kind of what got the attention of the U.S. national cycling team, and they invited me out to some uh, development camps or kind of talent ID camps and kind of set me on that trajectory. Because I didn't even know, like, again, I didn't want to be a para-athlete. I wanted to be Meg, the athlete. Um, right. Uh, um, for some reason, I told myself that para-athletics was less than or something again, you know, the stories we tell ourselves that aren't truths. Mm -hmm. um, it's Paralympics is incredibly competitive. It's every bit as cutthroat as the Olympics. It's often better attended the Olympics. It's um, high level athletics, athletics, and it um, it pushed me to new levels. Well, yes, I mean, here you are, athletic in other areas. You come back, you start the sport of triathlon with with this going on in your life um and you really did find a way to 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 make hay in that area too you come out you're you know you end in 2010 you do place next year and you you also had other triathlon accomplishments um and then here here you are my next question is what got you into cycling so i'm so glad that you answered that but as a cyclist, not only are you a para-athlete, but you're also a, a para-Olympian. And you've won a gold, two silver, and a bronze between 2012 and 16. Um, you're talking just now about how the Paralympics is often more attended than the Olympics. Can you take us through what that was like, um, just that whole experience? Cool. <laughs> I think a lot of us, we watch the Olympics as kids or watch Team USA in some capacity and think, man, that's cool. Um, or we kind of want to be the next um, Jackie Joyner Curtsy or kind of aging myself or uh, mm -hmm. Bonnie Blair. Mm -hmm. um, and now people are watching Simone Biles and thinking, I want to be the next Simone Biles and how phenomenal or Michael Phelps or what have you. Um, however, you know, time happens. And then once you, you know, kind of hit college, you realize, oh, geez, like I'm kind of aging out of the system here. <laughs> you kind of think that um, those dreams that you had as a kid maybe kind of just fade away. Uh -huh. um, and I, in endurance sports, actually, it often takes a slightly, I think, older athlete, more mature athlete, because um, you have to learn how to suffer. Yes. Um, it's not something that's always innately gifted to somebody or, you know, wired in. Um, I, I found, I found cycling and I pursued cycling because, um, cycling doesn't hurt me. 
um, I've had a, a lot of boo-boos. Mm-hmm. Not gonna say more than somebody else, but more than some, less than others. And um, biking, like bikes, <laughs> basically are just a form of a wheelchair, right? We just get to sit on our bums, um, and it's a foot-powered wheelchair, and we have a mechanical advantage with gears. And it, they're very enabling. They can be highly adaptable, whether it's handlebar position, seat position, crank length, uh, position of handlebars to saddle or uh, or you know height or drop or what have you. Um, suspension, no suspension. Bikes are uh, are such a versatile tool that I think allows all of us to explore and redefine our abilities. That's a heck of an analogy. I love that. Um, yeah, I never even aligned that. Even, you know, here in Colorado, we even fight with with individuals using wheelchairs and the such for trail access. And I never even, even put that uh, analogy with it. So um, that is very eye-opening. And then even to that attribute, your, your medals are from different disciplines. Uh, what what disciplines are your medals from? Um, my disciplines are from the individual time trial, the road time trial. I have a, a gold and a silver, as well as the three-kilometer pursuit on the velodrome, which is very akin to a time trial, similar position, um, uh, just uh, obviously different distances. I also competed in the road races where I usually worked more as a, um, a teammate breaking wind or covering attacks or doing, you know, helping my teammates. Um, uh, in the individual UCI world championships, I do own some world championships on the road races. And those are generally depends on the course. Um, I tend I'm a slightly smaller rider. Um, I climb really well, mm-hmm. but time trialing is something I just, I, I love it. Uh, there's a tons of sayings, you know, it never gets easier. You just go faster or time trials are when you have to have no love for yourself. I, I have really learned how to suffer and I know that I can suffer. I can be uncomfortable for a very long time and I can be more uncomfortable than somebody else. And so I want the conditions to be hot. I want it to be uphill. I want it to be humid. I want it to be awful um, because I know that I can endure. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm kind of the same way as why I'm laughing. Sure. I can sure, climb yeah. for days, but I can't do anything on the flats on a sunny day. Um, well now, and then, so skip forward today, you're, you're really pioneering paracycling in all disciplines, but today mainly in gravel and mountain bike. And, uh, you've spent a good deal of time actually helping as a consultant for lifetime and athletic events to help develop our language. And I actually have super exciting news, uh, because of your hard work and efforts, as of two weeks ago, all of our events now have a para-category. What, what does it mean to you to know that kind of positive difference is coming from a result of what you're doing? Oh, goodness. I'm speechless. Um, well, you, should, you, you leave us speechless because you work so hard at this. Uh, I'm a little choked up here because I've had lots of conversations over the months and years and we kind of talk about like, well, why do 
races need to continue to, for example, call out women specifically um, to come to races. Or perhaps you might think like, why don't women know that they're invited or welcomed or we want their attendance at this race? And so, uh, and I think the answer is, 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 I don't have an answer to that, but <laughs> I, it's that it's it's important that people see themselves reflected and, and cycling in historically has been a fairly exclusive sport and um that's okay it's the way it's been and our culture right now is changing that and that's awesome and i want to support that and we're calling out uh women we're calling out um age groups we want people of all ages to feel like they're welcome and they're welcome to participate and 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 be recognized for their efforts like there's age groups for our young riders all the way up into people in their 70s 80s and 90s and um, often uh you know why do we have age groups for people in their 80s right so it might be one person because we want to recognize that hard effort right we don't expect somebody in the 50 to 60 or older or 40 to 50 even age groups to maybe compete with the pros but sometimes they do um sometimes we, we see 30 and 40 year olds competing with the pros and vice versa um what I'm getting at is that I think recognizing people for their hard efforts and inviting them and showing that they're welcome and recognized and valid in that race is important. Races, especially in gravel and in mountain bike, where there's slightly less regulation um, <laughs> than like USAC or UCI races, uh, race organizers have the capacity to invite and make people feel welcome and recognized. And with trans non-binary categories, um, and uh, sometimes uh, more emphasis in BIPOC participation. And obviously, those are journeys I've never walked. And I'm grateful to see a diverse and inclusive start line. However, I think not however, or and in, in addition to inviting people with physical impairments is in line with those with DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion principles. It's reflective of our population. Um, it's it's important because it's just according, according to a World Health Organization study that came out last fall in November 2021, they highlighted that everybody in our world will experience a physical impairment at some point. Gratefully, many of them are temporary. 15% of the world's population lives with a permanent physical impairment. Um, that's a lot of people. Yes, it a is. A lot of people. Yes, it is. And um, and to recognize those people on the start line for their hard efforts is important because it is unreasonable to expect somebody with a physical impairment to match up head to head as an age matched peer. If that if I'm saying that clearly enough, like I mean, I, I'm I race now in the. Ooh, I'm almost in the four. I'm almost forty. Awesome. <laughs> I'm stoked for that. I'm aging up in the system. I'm, I'm moving age group soon. Um, <laughs> you got to move up to fifty to get better for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just, I'm, um, you know, somebody else. So I'm, I'm thirty nine, um, and I will not race at the same speed as somebody else who's also thirty nine, right? Like I'm doing it with a single engine. I like to tease people and say two legs too easy. Um, <laughs> I love to compete with my age match peers, but however, some, and that's my personality. I don't mind 
saying it like I don't think races are exclusive by saying we have an open registration. People with physical impairments, people who identify uh, maybe as a non-binary sex are welcome. Um, we want everybody of different, uh, you know, everyone to be invited. But however, I think calling people out and saying that we do want you here, we do recognize you. Uh, I think it is important for this, the direction that cycling is going um, to continue to reflect the general population. Well, sure. I think that's very well said. You know, in Leadville, uh, we've always prided ourselves as a community, and my and my mm-hmm. dad, as a, a founder, of always knowing that Leadville was founded on the backs of strong women, and mm-hmm. then this is just you know another extension of that because you know our biggest thing. Um, a lot of these endurance more runs than the the rides. You know, you'd need to qualify. Mm-hmm. And we just never believe that. Uh, mm-hmm. We believe if you believe in you, by God, we're going to put our resources <laughs> and money behind you and we're going to try to find success together. And mm. and that's that's how we've always felt in Leadville. So um, your thinking's right along in line with that. And mm-hmm. it, it's just something that that should be there. And, and mm-hmm. we can't thank you enough for for helping push and pursue us on that. Um, I think it's a, it can be a hard thing for race organizers. And I want to, um, if I could give you a high five and a hug um, <laughs> to the, the airwaves, I would, because it is uh, a tremendous amount of effort and work that race organizers do the countless questions and uh, problem solving and answers that you need to come up with um, to enable as many people that do the camps, um, come to all the other lead up events as well as the race itself. And then even closing up the event, um, it's monumental the amount of work. And and I don't think anybody gets into any sport really to Mm -hmm. like make it rich. Like I, (laughs) and it's not that we're doing it to do it that way or to be that way. I'm not suggesting that at all. Um, but what I'm suggesting is that like, this is all done because, through the work of volunteerism and um, people sharing the same passions and goals. So um, thank you for the opportunities that you provide all of us to test ourselves and um, share in a, a shared passion. Well, sure. And I, I want to also throw out a thank you to Michelle Duffy, who oversees yes. a lot of things for us. But And then our Leadville yes. Race Director, Tamara Jinlink, um, you know, she's one of those uh, tough Leadville woman, women I'm talking about. And yes. she's very sensitive to all of this. So they deserve all the credit for just, for yes. sure. I'm just here to get to, to take the thank yous on their behalf. Oh. <laughs> um, you well, know. I have been in communication with Michelle and many of the Leadville team or lifetime team um, and it's been a, a true pleasure and it's um, like I, I, I tease that I, I have one foot I have a right foot um, <laughs> and so uh, I, I want to leave a, a good footprint on this sport um, and kind of uh, if I can sort of blaze the trail because I know the people who come behind me will continue to make it better um, but it sometimes it takes the first step and and I've got that. Well, it does. And it did take you to do that. So absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it only sets other people up for success behind you. Mm -hmm. Um, well, okay. So now it seems like, you know, as far as today's cycling, you know, and, and pre your Leadville experience, 
you're really excelling in this gravel world. Um, what what do you really like about that over, say, the road disciplines? Oh, that's so hard. Um, well, I got into gravel in this little race called at Rebecca's Private Idaho. You might know <laughs> a Rebecca Rush. Oh, um, yes. We're big, big Rebecca Rush fans. <laughs> yes. Because um, I recall uh, seeing videos before the age of social media was a thing, but her coming <laughs> to Leadville and having great success. Uh, and I think she still owns some QOMs on the course. Uh, I think she does. (laughs) She is um, quite a force. I believe it's 10 Leadville titles. Is that correct? I think it's, boy, it's right there. I don't know if it's exactly 10 because she's helped. I mean, she's helped people during the race a good number too. Like she's gotten other women under nine and uh, fat cyclist uh, partner (laughs) Eldon Nelson. He got Lisa Nelson in under nine one time. And, you know, so she's done a lot of other sacrificing on the course. (laughs) Well, um, so... I actually went to her race. Her her event was the first gravel race I ever did. Um, Not long after I retired from the national team, because I'd always wanted to come do Leadville. Uh, My my roots are in mountain biking, and then to be successful on the national team, I had to kind of hang up my mountain bike for a little bit and really focus on the road specific training and efforts. Um, So coming back to uh, the dirt is is very natural. Um, and coming to race Rebecca's private Idaho with somebody who I, I've just admired for eons, seems like uh-huh. she's that old or that I'm that old, but for years, um, it, it was just such a natural fit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I live in Missoula, Montana, where I'm really lucky to have mountains all around. Um, and we don't have, we have roads and road racing, um, and road training. However, there's just a lot more gravel and mountain biking opportunities and it's just a very natural transition is to get back to the dirt and so coming to Rebecca's private private Idaho and um uh racing gravel however I actually did sign up for Leadville um took me three times to actually get to start the race the first one you gotta um, save that for a minute because that's coming (laughs) no no you're great I'm super excited about that story. Yeah, so yeah, um, but coming back to, to gravel, I think with the way distracted driving um, has shifted and, and phones and so forth, mm-hmm. like it's a little different um, feeling on the road. And um, I do live in a relatively small town, so I do a lot of training on my own. Mm-hmm. And so being on the road by myself doesn't feel always great. Right. Um, I feel like I'm a competent cyclist, but uh, just last week, a cyclist died here in town, and that's just incredibly sad, Um, and it's humbling. Um, I think we all love what we do. We love our families, and um, we always want to come home. Yeah, and it's really the the more humbling part to me is you see all the the road rage towards cyclists, Mm -hmm. and it's always the accident that kills them. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's a whole lot to work with on the road. And, mm-hmm. and I, I share your thoughts now. Let's, uh, let's get into unbound gravel and you've taken oh, yes. on unbound the 200 in 19 and 2021. Yes. How did that end up for you? Well, 
holy muck. Um, so <laughs> uh, I think anybody who, once you step into gravel, you'll hear, um, hear about Unbound or what it was formerly, you know, named as and, and, mm-hmm. and the journey of 200 miles. I think um, it's, it's iconic. It's one of the money. It was defined, you know, named one of the monuments of gravel. I think the gravel hall of fame uh, is also there and are uh, in Emporia mm-hmm. where same location as unbound. And it's such a journey to go 200 miles. I tell my family that I'm going to go ride even 50 miles. I think I'm nuts. They think, you know, hundred <laughs> miles ago. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to get your head checked. But then when you say 200 miles, <laughs> wow. but it's, it's such a, a journey. Um, Physically, mentally, um, I, I truly believe we're all more capable than, than we know. And it's often the challenges we choose that prepare us for the challenges we don't choose. And so by conquering sometimes these distances, whether they be 20 miles, 25 miles, uh, 1K fun run up to 50, 100, 200, or the, for instance, like the Unbound XL, which is, uh, I think, 350 miles. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, <laughs> Um, what an empowering or empowering journey it is. And it, um, I was grateful to, I, I raced as uh, an age grouper mm-hmm. in the past few years. And there, this year there will be a paracycling category at Unbound, which I'm thrilled about. And um, uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm speechless because it, it's, it's such a journey. Like the first hundred miles goes by and you're like, holy smokes, I didn't expect that to be, you know, what it is or what it wasn't. Or, um, and the people you, you, you share the road with and the journey that once you work with, you share food or you share stories, you share the wind, you um, share the draft, sometimes a shade or a cool bandana. Um, the years I've done it, it's been exceptionally hot. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's, Again, something I, I really look forward to. It's always hard. 200 miles is a long way to go on your bike. But I also like to do it because it it, it, it proves to myself just how able I am. I think, like a lot of people, I don't have a ton of self-confidence. Um, I'm smiling, I'm happy, I'm gregarious, but I, I'm still that shy kid uh, who had to sit alone at lunch all through junior high and high school. You know, I sat in the library because I didn't have anybody to sit with. And being able to finish these races is, is a, a objectively shows myself that um, what I can do, that I'm better than I thought. Well, I that think makes any sense. It, it does so much. I think this next question kind of goes with this. And it's, mm. you know, my next question is, have you had any DNFs or setbacks on the course? And, uh, you know, how do you mentally overcome those? And that's a little bit what you're hitting on. Mm. I'm trying to think if I have any DNFs. Well, so if I don't think a, I have. a shy girl pushing all these boundaries, um, you know, that that's that mental toughness. I mean, how then then the better question is, how have you not ended up with more DNFs or setbacks with all that's challenging you? Mm. 
Well, my parents will probably tell you I'm stubborn as heck. Um, (laughs) Whether you want to call it grit, whether you want to call it uh, stubbornness, I think that that's all sides of the same diamond. Mm -hmm. Um, Grit, resilient, stubborn. um, I I, I lean into it um, because I know I can do a hard thing for five seconds. And I can do a hard thing for 10 seconds and then 15 seconds and 20 seconds. Um, I, it, I think as I'm getting older, I'd probably be more okay with DNFing. I, I, I see nothing wrong with that. I think it's incredibly empowering to say no. Like, how great is that? Like, there's probably no, <sighs> there isn't a more powerful word than no. Um, and how great it is to exercise that and use that. Sometimes I think out of weakness, we say yes. Um, but as far as not finishing or, or starting what I finished or finishing what I started as far as a race, um, it's never been a, a, a mental struggle of like, oh, you know, what are my people, what are people going to think of me or what are, um, you know, what, what questions of that necessarily like I, I can quit and be proud of myself I don't quit because I haven't haven't had to just yet haven't needed to um in a race I think it's I know I can do hard things and I think going through the emotional struggles or physical setbacks um I've always been empowered by the bike. There's been times where I can't walk. I'll be on crutches and I'll use crutches to get to my bike so that I can ride because it doesn't hurt me. Um, and anything you can make it as hard as you want. A 500 meter time trial, you can make that very uncomfortable, very painful. And that's only 500 meters. Uh-huh. You can make a um, hundred miles relatively comfortable, relatively with the right preparation and so forth. Um, Almost, almost anyone can walk like a half marathon. Right. I mean, the thing is, like, we can almost do anything we want if we want to. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Don't, please don't. Like, if you don't want to ride 50 miles, I am not telling you that you have to. If you don't want to walk a half marathon, do not do it. That said, if you want to, you probably can. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We make a living off that and we call that the yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I work as a, a physical therapist and, and I, I see in, in my journeys as a Paralympian around the world, seeing people with different physical impairments, um, overcoming the physical or socioeconomic um, geographical barriers that are in front of them and seeing them explore their capabilities it is it lets me know that whether your impairments are visible or between your two ears <laughs> mm-hmm. um uh, we're humans are incredibly resilient creatures yes they are for sure okay now we're going to get to the really good stuff we <laughs> have we have a saying in leadville you don't find leadville leadville finds you meg when did mm-hmm. leadville find you <laughs> oh, well, like I said, I first saw Leadville um, through Rebecca Rush and um, also um, seen videos about the race across the sky. It had always been on my radar. However, with the national team race schedule, 
I could never come. It was never something I could train for, prepare for, or attend. So as soon as I retired from the national team, I was like, I'm putting my name in for the lottery. I'm going to Leadville. I'm going to, you know, roll the dice and see if I get selected. Um, and it was. Uh, I, I counted my stars, and I, get, I just got lucky. Um, <coughs> unfortunately, a, a, a dear friend's mother um, was basically like my mom in many ways, um, passed away unexpectedly. And actually, Leadville was the first race that I was registered for that I never started. Okay. Um, and I was so grateful because racing on the national team, I had missed funerals. I would missed weddings. I would missed important things in my life and my friends' lives and their families' lives. I, I'd, I'd sacrificed a lot. No, no regrets. I'm, uh, those are all decisions I made. Um, but it was such an empowering thing to say, no, I'm not going to Leadville. This thing had put on my, you know, I've wanted to do for years. No, I'm going to choose my family. I'm going to choose my friend. I'm going to choose this being here for them. That was incredibly empowering, but also, you know, kind of hard. And I, I really helped me gain some perspective. Like my family is important to me. Um, the family you choose, right. You know, mm-hmm. my friend's family. For sure. Um, and then the second year, um, I deferred my entry. So I was grateful for the next entry spot. And um, United, well, canceled one of my flights. Fine, no worries. I planned myself accordingly so I'd have a day's, extra days, you know, to fiddle, fiddle with. And so I got on the next flight. But United left my bike on the tarmac in Missoula, Montana. Oh, God. So, um, and in Denver, they're like, oh, no, no, we'll definitely get it done. You feel free to go to Leadville. We'll ship it to you. No worries. You know, because I was invested. Um, and then United didn't bring me my bike. Um, and so I, I got to watch more or less the grand depart as everybody set off dark and early in the morning. And um, I had no bike to ride. Um, People are, are very generous and saying, oh, you can ride my bike or you can ride, you know, well, lend me a bike. However, it's because of um, my leg length discrepancy and that I use a prosthetic leg on my left side. I have to ride a, um, my bike. It's specially dis- you know, adapted for me. And I can't just pick up a bike and go, even if the handlebars or whatever, the saddle's right. It was very sad um, to miss that start. But it's out of my control. And then COVID happened to us all um what a what a journey that's been and to be able to come back um in last summer and and get to start um third time's a charm it um was such a privilege to get to share the start line um and and ride that same course that countless people have ridden before me but as well as my um my mentor rebecca rush well, and okay, so after so much in anticipation, it's 2021, you're on that line. What was race day like in Leadville that day? What do you remember on the course? Oh, what do I remember? Oh, um, I've watched countless videos and you know, read all the blog posts about Leadville. It's, it's iconic. Um, and you can't really prepare yourself for that kind of altitude. I've, I've right. done some high altitude mountaineering in Ecuador, right along the equator. I've, I've summited Cotopaxi twice. So I've, I've experienced altitude, but I was like, you know, this is a different way of moving through that. And it's quite a, 
a swift kick, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I I loved every bit of it. I, I liked that it was hard. I liked that it had a lot of climbing. I liked that um, you could. I just loved it. Uh, there was there was nothing I didn't like. Um, I was grateful for like I, I may not be a tremendously fast or powerful rider, but um, I'm pretty I'm okay, and so I can climb a lot of things that other people can't. And so to be able to ride by people as they walked, not that it, um, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm belittling that, but it just it just it, it feels good. It gives um, you a lift. It does, and uh, for some people, it's more efficient for them to push their bike and walk then pedal for me because I basically have a pirate peg leg. It's not very efficient for me to walk. It's actually faster and more efficient for me to ride. Um, and so that's why I, I was able to stay on my bike and that felt good and to feel people to cheer me on. And again, maybe because I'm not moving at light speed, I get to cheer a lot of people on too. So that, that shared energy back and forth is that reciprocal flow is it's a beautiful thing. And you're out there for a long time. Um, again, I'm, I, I will not be breaking nine hours ever, I don't think. And that's okay. That's not my goal. Um, so to be able to descend, like I descend well. I'm a, I'm a fine bad handler. And so to be able to um, come down like a bat out of hell, that is, oh. that's a hoot. <laughs> come on. Like that is, it is a well-earned descent. I love how loose it is. I love feeling my bike work and the suspension do its thing. Um, I love feeling my, my heart beat, my muscles do their, their, their thing too. Uh, oh yeah. Coming back up pipeline, pushing my bike and just, I love it. I just, um, I love it. It's, it sounds so cheesy and so simple, but it's my cup of tea. Well, no, it sounds like all of our cups of tea too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so sure. now, but now then coming off like, so you had just come off gravel. You just come off unbound, um, those logistics, like coming off that and going into Leadville where there's aid stations and crews and unbound where it's this whole different animal as far as that goes. Was that a challenge for you or something you had to adapt to, or did that just make things that much easier? Cause you don't have that in your other events. So let me make sure I ask you, yeah, understand your question. Right. So, um, I, I have done Unbound where I had my own support crew. Um, actually, Betsy the Wonder Dog came. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and so, she, um, and so she um, was with a friend, and they met me at all the aid stations. And I've also done Unbound, you know, purchasing the um, race provided support crews. I've yeah. done that both ways. Um, and however, when I came to Leadville, I knew that I needed support. Um, somebody I worked with at SRAM. And some of you guys was a mechanic at SRAM, and then as well as a uh, person who has professional one-year experience who I worked with, um, and some of the other uh, brands I've worked with uh, were in live in Colorado were able to come out and support me um, because I was a part of a, this little thing called Lead Boat, um, and I knew that if I was going to be able to be able to make the drive to Steamboat, I needed. I needed help on Leadville Day because that's just such a monumental effort. Um, does that answer your question? Yes, and my very next question is you also did the lead boat challenge. What did you think of this format and how how horrible was that commute? 
that commute was actually horrible. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, I, I, I didn't get to complete the lead boat challenge because as I left Leadville, uh, one of those perfect summer storms rolled into the high hills and oh. let loose a torrent of water. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> This is a, kind of a long story, so stay with me if you can. So I um, bought my tickets here in Missoula to get to Denver. I knew that I wanted a, a cargo van so I could build both my bikes, again, for the quick transition. It's, it's from mountain to gravel. However, when I get to the from Denver airport, of course, the car rental agencies are nowhere near the Denver airport, but I get to what I thought was, you know, kind of enterprise. Uh-huh. And I had bought a, a bundle of ticket and car van however it was to the enterprise i think in aurora oh god and so i was like are you kidding and of course this enterprise i think it was didn't have any cargo vans they only had you know small suvs are you kidding (laughs) so i I somehow was able to get my two bike bags in the back you know completely just with a little elbow grease i don't know how they got in there but I get to Leadville, build up my mountain bike. But there's no way I could also build my gravel bike and leave my bike bags and my you know other equipment. So I was like, oh, how is this transition going to be? Um, whatever, you know, Leadville's number one. Got to get it done. So I get to Leadville because there's no way I can you know get different cars at this point. Anyway, Leadville happens. My friend, the mechanic, helps me get my bikes in the back of my car. I'm thinking, okay, I have time to I get to Steamboat here. I'll get there by this time. I can, takes me 15 minutes to build my gravel bike. I'll just, you know, roll out. It'll be fine. But as I'm descending out of Leadville, that storm blows in and I turn on my windshield wipers like any person would do, but the windshield wipers would go, would sweep across the windshield, jump off the windshield, come around and smack my driver's side, side window, then come back on and jump back onto the windshield to complete its journey. So it was like, Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Um, I mean, who checks their windshield wipers leaving? The Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Um, and um, at that point, you know, I'm pretty tired because I, I didn't have anybody to drive me to Steamboat, which is what, about a three-hour drive-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, a tough one at that. It is. Yeah, it, you need to be focused. It's not like a straight Kansas straight away shot um and i knew that that, at that point um, my hope of making the start just not reasonable i stopped in frisco got a hotel and thought you know i I nearly died in a car accident once this is a bike race it's just a bike race i did leadville i did this thing that's been a bucket list event for a decade more um i did it um and I'll show up to Steamboat tomorrow. I'll get to cheer on my friends and the finishers, and um, that will be that. That will have to be enough for me. And it it was everything. I got, I rode backwards on the course, so I, I got to cheer on people um, and come spend some time with the finish line. Uh, I'd say my my lead boat weekend uh, was a success, but not the success success I had anticipated. <laughs> well, and very challenging, like the rest of your Leadville story. Now, what's on your 2022 calendar? Is that one making the 2022 calendar? It's on there. Yep. Okay. Yep. So um, so there's that persistence again. Yes. 
I have a bit more support. I have a ride lined up to to hopefully overcome that obstacle. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you get in that kind of point again, just chase me down in Leadville and give me your bikes and I'll figure it out. <laughs> oh gosh. I look so cracked at that. Yeah. I come across the finish line and there's some pretty cracked people. Everybody's um, really stretched themselves and it's um, such an experience and be able to share that with so many people. I was bummed not to be able to um, share uh, the, the, the morning after with everyone. Cause I think that's a very special thing to, to um, have that camaraderie and the, the things that you do to bring the volunteers and racers together. It's a special thing, especially after last year and the um, challenges and uh, that, that event. Well, I actually really thank you for saying that. I mean, that actual format means a ton to my dad. Uh, I do think it's changing a little bit this year and will make things a little easier for your life. But Really, please know we are family. Anybody listening, if you have those sort of challenges and uh, there's no room and somebody could help, something like that, you know, hunt us down. Even if it's for the ride, there may be something to do because uh, we're all in this together. Well, thank you. I, it, it, for anybody listening, again, it is, um, you feel it. As soon as you get to level, it is uh, like... You kind of feel that maybe when you're on a plane, like there's like some travelers camaraderie, like travelers family, but like this is like taking that to the nth degree. Like you show up and everybody is equal. It's everyone's supported. It's a it's a it's a warm hug that you don't get at any other race. I don't think. Well, how very well said. Thank you. Uh, now, with all your race experience and all the disciplines you've done and everything you've taken on. Uh, if you had to give one piece of advice to get to get your Leadville family across that line, what would that be? That you are more capable than you know. Very. I can't say that often enough. Um, so many times, I, I professionally in my physical therapy practice, or in, in the coaching that I do, um, or out on the race course. Uh, um, you can do it. You can do it. Um, it may be slower than you anticipated, but so what? It may not be the time you anticipated. So what? You did it. Those asterisks that people put next to their times of like, oh, I had to work too much or I didn't get to train enough. Like no one ever gets to train enough. Very rarely do people get to have the race that they wanted or there's some beautiful rainbow puppies kittens unicorns experience like it's it's setback after setback it's adversity after adversity um whether it's emotional financial professional you name whatever obstacle that people have and many of us only um those are hidden behind their eyes a few of us share our obstacles very visibly you say all of this well enough. We may need you to help give the speech next year. <laughs> I mean, that's just exactly exactly how we all feel at the yes. management end of that baby. Um, yes. Now, and with, with all your uh, drive to get to Leadville, you're seeing the show, your three-year journey, 
Can you mm-hmm. tell us how Leadville, Leadville and the Leadville Trail 100 have shaped your life beyond race day? Mm. One, um, I, I wore the same belt buckle for gosh darn 10 years. Um, as soon as I earned my lead belt buckle, that's, I, I've worn that nearly every day since. Um, that's just a very small way. And it, um, most of the time, you know, it's hidden under a shirt. It's uh, not something that's out there, but it's something that I get to see every day and um, reminds me. I mean, just like every day, I, I put on my prosthetic leg which is a reminder of hard times and good times. Um, I pull on my pants just like everybody else, one leg at a time. And um, I get to you know, buckle my buckle and be proud of this thing that, uh, that I did that um, is hard. Uh, you know, what is that? Like uh, a league of the own, that Tom Hanks line. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, there's no, not, not that it's no crying in baseball. Like, listen, that's not that line, but the idea like, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Leadville, uh, once you do an event like that, whether it's Unbound or your backyard local 5K or whatever is hard for you, when you accomplish that thing that's hard, um, being able to kind of have that in your DNA that you know that you can do hard things and be reminded of that, mm-hmm. um, it's empowering, it's transformative, it influences and flavors kind of every day moving forward because you did something you thought you couldn't, whether, you know, sometimes it's like, Oh man, I didn't pay my taxes and it's midnight on April, you know, whatever, you know, you, you get it done or that um, work task that you push off to the last minute, or you mm-hmm. don't think you can do this or that and the other thing. And all of a sudden you do it because we all have heartaches. We all think, you know, we can't go on after something bad happens. Um, if we lose somebody in our lives or a part of yourself, literally or figuratively, um, you think, how can you go on? Yet you do. And like I said, sometimes these having things on the calendar, like let go or other um, events is a affirmation of just how alive you are and just how strong you are. Absolutely. Very, very well said. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word Leadville? think of flowers actually as you say that um i i think of this beautiful town that um has so much character that just the town itself seems to like bloom i granted i haven't been there any other time of the year um however i i was a physio for one of the pro cycling teams the live giant team last year mm-hmm. in europe and our team manager and one of the mechanics lives in Leadville, so I, I kind of keep tabs on what's going on with Leadville <laughs> regularly. Um, and it's this little spot on the map that you might not stop at for any other reason. Um, and all of a sudden, you're like, you're like this is here? This, this is here? I'm here? You hear about Leadville. You, um, it has a, a, a lure to it. Um, and then to, to walk through that that cloud of awesomeness it just kind of rubs off it's it's there's some fairy dust there or something um <laughs> never never land um you get to be there for a short time uh sharing the magic and you want to come back well absolutely and we cannot wait to have you back um thank you very much for taking the time with me today meg it's been just really wonderful 
Is there anything else you want to tell your Leadville family or anything else you want to share before I let you go? I, thanks for that opportunity to, to join you today. It, it's a huge privilege to get to speak with you. Um, your family has transformed and shaped the cycling community and then somehow uh, reached outside of the cycling world. I think that's a really special gift is to reach outside of our community um, to draw people in or to you know, or, or share that the intangible intangible good um whether it be through the lifetime foundation and what you do for your schools and so forth and um i'm grateful for the support of companies like um that enable me to get to races like yours like uh, i'm really excited with cannondale this year how they've supported paracycling and lifetime supported paracycling and the um the validation mm-hmm. that you're sharing with a large group of individuals who have been in the shadows for a long time. I think there's, there's space for us all um, to make the table bit longer, make it bigger, and for all of us to sit at it and enjoy it together. Well, we believe that too, but we can't thank you for uh, opening our eyes a little more on that and making it a reality with us. So thank you so much once again and look forward to seeing you this summer. See you soon. Soon. (laughs) Very soon. Well, there you have it, Leadville family. You've heard from Meg Fisher every obstacle she's had in her way and how she's overcome them to continue on. I want you to take these lessons and I want you to do the same, whether you're trying to reach that red carpet come August or whether it's another finish line ahead of you. Until then, don't forget to give us a like or subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast. And we can't wait to see you at home this summer. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.